Good morning. Please, if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy, uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, his young disciple and pastor at Ephesus, uh, 2 Timothy. We're beginning a new sermon series today. Is that... It's the same four people that got the Star Trek joke. Um, Well, it's only this week and next week. So it's a mini-series, right? And uh, we're calling it um, Famous Last Words. And, um, you know, as we get closer uh, to the end of the year and uh, the number of times that uh, I get to share the Sunday morning message Uh, with you all uh, on a regular basis at least, uh, depending what God has in store uh, for me and uh, our family. Um, If I'm near enough, uh, maybe I'll come back and be a guest speaker once in a while and tell you Star Trek jokes. (laughs) But um, as the regular times at least that I have with you begin uh, to dwindle, Um, I couldn't help um, but think about what I'd like to leave uh, you with. What what last words, uh, even if they're not famous last words, uh, might I have for you? Um, During my um, study and prep for this morning's message this past week, I googled the phrase, famous last words, and uh, just to see what came up. And um, suddenly I found myself exploring just pages and pages and pages of all these websites where uh, people have uh, listed down uh, um, the the literal last words like uh, uh, on their deathbed or just before they died, uh, what was the last words uh, that they've said. And it was interesting. And so I thought... um, Now, to try to get us in the mood uh, for famous last words uh, this morning, uh, I give you a brief quiz. Are you up for a quiz? Okay. Um, Yeah, I've got got a few famous last words for you. These are the actual last words of people um, right before they died. And, And your part then is to see if you can figure out who said them, Okay. We'll start uh, with what I think uh, is an easier one. I think they get progressively harder, but that depends uh, who you are. Here's the first one. I only regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Who said that? I think I've heard the right answer. It's, uh, show us the right answer, Tristan. Nathan Hale. How many got that one right? Okay, yeah, well, you're in trouble because they get harder. <laughs> um, how about this one? Think about this one. I'll finally get to see Marilyn. Okay, now, you know, what's the right answer? Go ahead, let's see it. Okay, it's Joe DiMaggio. Now, I have to warn some of the folks up here like I have to do some students in my class. It's like, okay, God has given us, uh, um, you know, a, a different speeds than when our light bulb goes on. And, you know, whenever you ask a question, all those fast light bulb people, you know, they spit it out. So for you fast light bulb people, you know, let people think about it a while and see if they can get it, okay? All right, um, How about uh, this one? Uh, 
Here's a harder one. Unless you've read his books, now there's your clue. He's a famous author. He said his last known words, now I can cross the shifting sands. Think about it. Okay, some of you may have it, but since it's harder, I'm going to give some clues just with a wild guess that not everyone has this one yet. Um, the shifting sands, here's your clue, the shifting sands are the impassable desert that he wrote about, and it's an impassable desert surrounding a famous make-believe land. Uh, this past week, uh, to write something down, uh, to each member of my family before I die. So, um, you know, I can give some thought to, to my last words uh, in case I don't have a chance to talk uh, to them. Um, and so, like I said, um, I've been thinking about what uh, my nearly last words uh, might be to you all, um, even though I'm not dying, Lord willing. Um, and um, I was thinking about what to say, and I decided to open my Bible to 2 Timothy because uh, I remembered that 2 Timothy is the last letter, uh, the last words that the Apostle Paul wrote to someone that uh, he loved too, to one of his disciples uh, named Timothy, pastor at uh, the church in Ephesus. And and you know, because it's the last letter we, we have um, in the Bible from the Apostle Paul, uh, in a way then, too, it's Paul's last words um, that God wanted us to see, at least from Paul, it's his last words to us. And um, what makes 2 Timothy, one of the things that makes 2 Timothy so special um, in my opinion, is that uh, not only are they the last recorded words of Paul, but uh, almost everyone agrees that Paul knew uh, when he wrote Timothy that uh, this was probably, this might well be the last time, last chance he had to say anything to Tim. Um, there are clues in the letter that Paul knew uh, the end of his life was near. If you remember the story of Paul, by this time he's in Rome under house arrest and he's waiting his final appeal, his trial uh, before Caesar. The Caesar's probably Nero. Um, so there's, uh, how's that going to turn out, right? And um, Paul writes this to Timothy in his letter. He says, Timothy, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering um, and the time for my departure is near. Uh, so for this reason, uh, 2 Timothy is often known um, as Paul's last will and testament. and It's really what Paul is giving Timothy here because he's writing to Timothy for what he knows might well be the last time. And as you can imagine, I'm sure it wasn't an easy letter for Paul to write. Um, and uh, one of the reasons it was difficult and... Uh, 2 Timothy is so special, too, is that uh, Timothy is like a son to Paul. Uh, in his first letter to Timothy, uh, called 1 Timothy, uh, Paul greets Timothy as my true son in the faith. And then by 2 Timothy, we can see even how that uh, relationship has grown even closer because Paul 
addresses his second and his final uh, last words to Timothy by uh, addressing it to Timothy, my dear son. And so the letter that follows this intimate greeting is, um, boy, it's among the most tender and the most loving words uh, that we have in all the Bible. We see Paul's heart in 2 Timothy as he says farewell to someone he considers his dear son. It, even though the authors are the same, uh, it's, uh, it's a lot different than Romans, for example, where, uh, where Paul is um, arguing, defending um, the faith. Uh, this one's different in tone. It's, uh, it's his last one to his dear son. And I'm sure you fathers um, or mothers out there, you can imagine um, what your letter uh, to your son or daughter might look like, what it might say if it was um, what you thought might be your last words to them. I, um, I came this close this week to uh, simply reading 2 Timothy uh, to you and uh, calling it a sermon. <laughs> this close. Uh, instead, uh, decided um, I'd like to encourage you to read the letter on your own this week. That's your homework. Um, and I'd like to encourage you to read it out loud. I think you'll find when you hear it out loud, uh, you'll be better able to just hear in it Paul's heart and the words and phrases that he uses uh, just in his tone. You'll see, you'll hear, you'll feel, if you read it out loud, uh, I think uh, Paul's love and care for Timothy. Well, in the time that we have left um, this morning and then again next week, um, I want to emphasize uh, two things in particular that stood out to me as Paul's famous last words. There are probably dozens um, that uh, we could pull out of this letter, but there were two uh, in particular that stood out uh, to me. And um, uh, these were two that uh, were on my list, or on my list uh, as well, um, to share with you as, uh, as some nearly last words, I guess uh, we could say. Um, your Bibles are open to Second Timothy chapter, uh, well, Second Timothy. Let me... Let me summarize the first three chapters quickly that lead up at least to one of the uh, famous last words that I want to emphasize this morning. In chapter 1, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can scan it, but uh, a main theme there is Paul encouraging Timothy to stay faithful. Stay faithful to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ. He, he urges Timothy... Uh, don't be ashamed, Timothy, to testify about Jesus. And he reminds Timothy, remember, Timothy, you know you've been around me. I'm not ashamed, Paul says, so my son, don't you be either. And then in chapter 2, Paul encourages Timothy further. And um, his focus here is on endurance. Hang in there when things get tough. Endure hardship, uh, Paul says to Timothy. And then in chapter 3, uh, uh, the main push there is uh, Paul wants to warn Timothy. Uh, warn Timothy for some additional reasons that he listed in chapter 2, some additional reasons why 
Timothy, you're going to need to endure hardship. He gives Timothy a heads up that there are difficult times ahead. And Paul includes quite a list of sinful behavior that, that Timothy is going to encounter. Uh, just uh, take a listen to uh, what Paul is warning Timothy about. People will be lovers of themselves, Timothy. They'll be lovers of money. People are going to be boastful, proud, abusive. They're going to be disobedient to their parents. Timothy, the time is coming where people are going to be ungrateful, unholy, without love. People are going to be unforgiving, slanderous without self-control. They're going to be brutal. Timothy, they're not going to be lovers of the good. Instead, they'll be treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They'll worm their way into homes and and gain control over weak-willed women. And let me pause there for the women here today. That's not Paul slamming women. In Ephesus in particular, since, little, since girls were very, very small, they were in effect brainwashed into this cult of the goddess of Artemis and totally, totally mixed up and messed up and were of particular concern to Paul in terms of how to undo that brainwashing with the good news of the gospel. and So you hear Paul's heart for the women in Ephesus, not a backhanded slap. People are going to oppose the truth, Timothy. Their minds will be depraved. And, and then Paul uh, continues to warn them that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. One of those many verses in the Bible that uh, health and wealth preachers today choose to ignore. And then we get to chapter 4. And Paul is ready to close his letter. The last words of his last words. And here where it's fine, the two main things I want to emphasize with you. One now and then we'll do the second one next week. And the first one's this. After encouraging Timothy to remain faithful, after encouraging him to endure hardship, after warning Timothy of all the evil stuff he's going to have to face coming in the last days, Paul simply says to his son Timothy, and to us this morning too, he says, Timothy, he says, people of West Bowles, keep your head I love that phrase. Keep your head. And I need that advice sometimes. Do you? Especially when um, all heck is breaking loose. Do you need it when you're struggling with discouragement? I know I do. I need to hear Paul's reinsurance. Keep your head. And and what exactly does Paul mean by keep your head? I, I, I think we... We know what the phrase means in general, right? You know, remain calm, stay focused, don't panic. 
And Paul certainly means that, but is there something more uh, in context that Paul has in mind when he says, when everything else is going on in life, keep your head? And the answer is, yeah, I think Paul does have something more specific in mind than simply remain calm. We find it in the immediate context for Paul telling Timothy to keep his head. Let's see if we can uh, discover that. Let me read um, the immediate. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, Timothy, keep your head. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. So what exactly does Paul mean by keep your head in context especially? Well, there are many worldviews and ideas that are out there, aren't there? And they're very different than the biblical worldview, many of them. Have you noticed? And so in context, when Paul is saying, keep your head, Tim, maybe I should have written and I did on the next slide, <laughs> Timothy, keep your head in God's Word. Paul mentions sound doctrine and up against false teaching. Don't be swayed by other worldviews, Timothy. Trust in and live out God's Word. Keep your head in God's Word. Is there anything in your life right now going on where you can use Paul's advice? Keep your head and keep your head in God's Word. You've heard the past few weeks and you heard Ryan this morning uh, uh, talk about uh, our search for a new pastor and in that process, as we anticipate who God has next to share and to pastor West Bowles, um, it can be a season of worry or anxiety. And I think great advice to keep in mind as we navigate through this is keep your head, West Bowles, and keep your head in God's Word. And, uh, you know, related is uh, this one from my own life that um, Jill and I and my family are, are, are dealing with. Um, as uh, we look for a new pastor, um, I'm looking for a new uh, position, and I haven't found anything yet. Uh, so many of you keep asking, so I thought I'd just give you an update. And uh, so I could use your prayers. We could use your prayers. You know, you make, uh, you make your plans in life, and then uh, God comes along with a different plan. Has that ever happened to any of you? <laughs> and um, what can you do but follow? But um, you know, he hasn't uh, shown us yet uh, where. And um, boy, that uh, advice, um, Paul's words to Timothy have uh, meant a lot to me uh, this week. Uh, Todd, keep your head. And I know many of you are out of uh, work and looking. And that's tough, isn't it? And remember, when it gets tough, endure that hardship and keep your head. 
Keep your head in God's word, and he will see you through. When, uh, when the world, or uh, inside and outside of the church, really, when they start teaching or preaching, for example, that sin isn't sin, keep your head. Instead, uh, well, that's relative. Uh, people are free to do whatever they want. And uh, it's not a sin for them if they don't believe it's a sin for them because truth is subjective. And Keep your head. Keep your head in God's Word. That's not what God's Word says. When pastors preach a health and wealth message they say is from the Bible, it isn't. Keep your head. Keep your head in God's words. Believers still do experience tough things. We experience tough things because we're believers. The Bible says. So keep your head. My daughter Danny is up at UNC Greeley. Many of you know. Um, she called me recently. Uh, things are going well for her. Um, about 10 days ago, we ran into one, uh, um, uh, one kind of panic thing. She said, oh, Dad, I just took my calculus exam, and I just bombed it. I had no idea. I said, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be a math teacher. I can't even, uh, that's just terrible. I, did, I didn't know anything on the, it's just, oh I, oh, I just did so bad. Two days later, she texts me, I got 102. <laughs> I texted her back, I will never ever believe you again. When you, no, so way to go, Danny. Um, keep your head. And then uh, just last week she called and she's in an honors program there and she's, um, um, she's in a class called The Mind. Uh oh. And she calls and she says, Dad, she says, I'm just so frustrated. I'm so, I'm so discouraged. You know, I, everyone in my class, it was just kind of a given. And they were astonished at what I believe. What we talked about in class today, the whole class just assumed that the, the creation account in Genesis 1 and 2 is, is just a fairy tale and it's silly. And she said, here are some of the things that they're saying, and, and I'm not really sure how to respond. And, and I thought, what are they teaching those kids in the Christian school and in the churches? If uh, they're not able to respond to tough questions. And so I got to spend a half an hour with her on the phone, and we talked, and I um, sent her a book that I thought might help her, I'll recommend it to you on this issue. It's called By Design or By Chance. And uh, the book doesn't get as far as Jesus, but using scientific principles only, it at least builds the case for there being a creator rather than things just going poof and appearing out of nowhere, which science tries to tell us is scientific. I don't quite get that. Keep your head. And just with everything going on in life, right? Life can be so busy. There can be so many things that we have to do. And 
And all of that technology that comes along that was supposed to give us all this spare time. (laughs) What a joke. What a lie. Right? You know what technology has done? It has just ramped us up past what we can even past what we can even bear to handle all that. We weren't designed to handle all of these things so quickly at all the same time. No wonder people are on the edge. Paul says, keep your head. And keep it where? Keep it right here. Keep it right here. Because it's trustworthy, it's true, it's an anchor, it's a guide, it's a counselor, it's the polar star. So keep your head with all the noise of life and differing opinions that are contrary to what God tells us that are swirling around. Pick one of your movie heroes, anyone. Ryan said our question this morning was a favorite movie this year. Is there a hero in your favorite movie? Pick who the hero is, and I'll bet you a coffee token, (laughs) that um, that hero, uh, when the crisis came in the movie, what uh, what do the movie heroes do? They keep their heads, right? Grace under pressure. When everything around them is in complete chaos, you know, when the ship's going down, you got Star Trek on the mind now, right? There's Captain Kirk, right? The Enterprise is shaking like mad and it's going down and he's got Scotty in his ear from the intro. Captain, she's breaking up! (laughs) And what's Kirk doing? More power. Stay steady. Keep the... Captain, we have to stop! (laughs) It's the best Scottish accent. (laughs) Slow down! That's terrible. Slow down. And what does Kirk do? Stay the course, more, more power, a few more seconds, and everybody, and it's like, oh, Kirk is so cool. There's something heroic, isn't there, about keeping your head, and even more so about keeping your head in God's Word. Personally, my favorite illustration of keeping your head, um, you know, it comes from the world of sports, um, you know, there's a football game later today, right? Manning versus RG3. Ooh. One thing I like about Manning in particular, he's cool, isn't he, in the pocket? He keeps his head, which is especially important for him since he's coming back from neck surgery, right? Keep your head. And, um, but, you know, uh, of all the athletes in any position of sports, I think maybe one thing that best illustrates maybe for us what Paul is after here. It's that goalie in hockey. Avs are off to a good start, right? They only have one loss? Who is that to again? (laughs) Famous last words. Hey, you can all be Steeler fans today, though, right? Oh, they play Oakland Raiders. This is the one day. Right? How many want the Steelers to beat the Oakland Raiders? Come on. See, yeah, the rest of you still remember when we came in here and beat Broncos in the AFC Championship. Yeah, I know. Okay. Oh, fine. 
I'll root for your team today anyway. I don't want RG3 to win, but anyway. Um, oh, that hockey goalie. Next time you watch a hockey game, focus on that goalie, right? He's down there in his stance, and uh, he's young enough where his knees don't crack. <laughs> and uh, look at that grace under pressure, that calm in the storm. Does, uh, that puck comes close. Those guys are flying all over. That puck is everywhere. And that goalie, the best ones, there's just a real economy of motion. They don't move unless they have to. It's just, and it's not like they've checked out. You know, it's not relaxing. It's like not caring. Uh, I think probably a goalie, uh, more than any other hockey player after a hockey game, has got to be the one that's most exhausted. I mean, you've all seen that goalie take his helmet off after the game, right? just sweat, pouring, and you think, he hardly even moved. But he's in there for three 20-minute shifts. Those other guys, you know, two minutes and they're tired. <laughs> no, I know, it takes a lot. But that goalie is just he's intense. He's keeping his head no matter what happens around him. And it's a kick save, which I won't do or I'll fall. <laughs> it's a block with his paddle, and it's just... And every once in a while he has to dive, but only as a last resort. Otherwise, it's just stay still, stay focused, follow the puck. And I think that's what Paul's after here with Timothy. When, when life comes into the crease and it gets especially up in your face, keep your head and keep your eye, keep your head on the puck in God's word. It's time to go. Paul says to Timothy, and I think to us too, my brothers and sisters, no matter what, come what may, keep your head. No matter what last day's sin or evil or hardships or messed up teaching swirls around you, keep your head, Timothy, and keep it in God's word. And that's for all of us. Keep our heads. Keep it in God's word. And when we do, he'll see us through until that day, as Paul says right before saying, keep your head, until that day that we see Jesus appear and we see him face to face. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, I know that you know and certainly Jesus, having taken on our flesh, you know too. We remember Jesus when you were in Gethsemane. And we remember when you were before Pilate and Herod, how it was that you kept your head in God's word, in his will. Please, Father, grant us, through the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that same composure, that same intense focus on you and your word and your truth when life threads to overwhelm us. Father, we love you. I just pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.